So a little while back, our district superintendent, Tim Purcell, preached for us, giving us four marks of a disciple. We're going to spend some more time delving deeper into those attributes as we look into the book of Matthew. Jesus called his followers disciples. But what is a disciple? How do I know if I am one or if I even want to be one? The first mark of a disciple is a disciple is a follower. Let's talk about followers. A pastor friend of mine got into a discussion on Twitter with a political pundit. Granted, that might have been a mistake to begin with because political pundits don't post on Twitter to have rational discussions. But it is what it is. The pundit was making broad claims about voter fraud, and my friend pointed out that Rudy Giuliani, who was leading President Trump's court cases about possible fraud, was not saying there was fraud nor presenting evidence of such in court. The pundit said that we can't trust the courts. My friend replied that whether I do or do not trust the courts is not the question and requested that he addressed why the pundit was claiming voter fraud, why that didn't match what Mr. Giuliani was saying. And again, the reply from the pundit was this. You might want to think about spending more time attending to your church and your sermon prep than this political trolling. You are closed-minded, excessively proud, and have little influence. Now, I certainly have my own admittedly biased opinion about which of the people in that exchange was proud and closed-minded. But I want to focus on the presumption of having little influence. It's not like these two men hang out and know each other well. So the only thing I can think of that the pundit could base his assumption on is the number of Twitter followers they each have. The pundit has over 11,000 followers, and the pastor has less than 300. One of the major markers for any social media success is how many followers a person has. How many people are following me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter? The world measures quality by the number of people who follow me. But the quality of a disciple is measured by who they follow. In that measure, the person who follows Jesus is light years ahead of the pundit who follows himself. We're going to read several passages, and we'll start with how Matthew came to follow Jesus. Matthew 9.9 As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Following is a calling. Matthew is living his life. There are two reasons to be at the toll booth, either collecting taxes or paying taxes. Since Matthew is the one sitting, he's the one collecting. As a tax collector, Matthew probably makes a decent living, but there is a cost to it. People don't like tax collectors. This is probably one of the few things that never changes over time and culture. At my former church in California, I was preaching on Zacchaeus, and I asked if anyone in the congregation worked for the IRS or state tax board. I wanted to see how far I could safely go with my tax collector jokes. One woman, Chris, raised her hand, and I said, Oh, I'm going to have to be careful because everyone likes Chris. Chris yelled back, You're okay, Pastor. You're right. Everyone does hate the tax collector. That got a good laugh. Matthew, as a tax collector, may be a thief, 
collecting more than required, but even if he's not, people will assume that he is. If he's collecting for the Romans, he's thought of as a traitor. If he were collecting for the temple, he might be thought of like we might think of a Scientologist today, charging for services. But because of the location, Matthew is likely collecting tariffs on goods for the Romans. The tariff tax rate was between 30 to 40%. If I hit Matthew's toll booth, I've not only lost all my profits, but I'm probably in the hole. We know Matthew had friends, but it seems they were all other tax collectors and sinners. Matthew has a life change when Jesus calls him and he follows. It's a complete identity change from Matthew the tax collector to Matthew the disciple of Jesus. He's called by Jesus, and then because he follows the call, he becomes something new. In Matthew's case, and this is not the case with everyone in the Bible, uh, Bible times or now, Matthew cannot be a follower of Jesus and continue to be a tax collector, so he leaves the toll booth. No two weeks notice, no finding someone to cover his shift, he just follows Jesus. There are some calls that we just have to take, even if it means changing what I'm doing. If my wife calls, I answer the phone, because other than my relationship with God, I have no higher covenant relationship. If my dad calls, I answer the phone, because my dad doesn't call me just to ask, how's it going? If my dad calls, it's usually because there's something important he wants to tell me or would like from me. I change what I'm doing when I get those calls. In order to be a disciple, when Jesus calls, I must change what I'm doing. It is Jesus who has the words of eternal life. Peter said in John 6:68 that there is nowhere else to go to get those words of eternal life. So Matthew was a person who in some ways his life was just fine. And in other ways, it was not the best. I can relate to that. But it doesn't matter if I think my life is going good or is all messed up or somewhere in between. When Jesus, the one who has the words of eternal life calls, the person who wants to be a disciple follows. Even though it seems that Matthew just simply left to follow Jesus, I'm not going to pretend that it's always that easy or simple to follow when called. We've seen that Matthew followed, but we haven't seen yet if it was worth it. So let's start to work through that question. Let's look at Matthew 4, 18 through 22. As he was walking, that is Jesus, along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now we see following is a career. The calling of the fishermen is similar to the calling of Matthew but there are important differences. Jesus says to them all, follow me, and they follow, leaving the work they were doing behind. However, Jesus still wants the fishermen disciples to catch something. Fish for people instead of fish. Jesus didn't tell Matthew to go tax something else. 
Simon, Andrew, James, and John are going to continue to use their skills, but in a different way. These men know how to work in teams. Jesus is going to use that. They know how to sail boats. Jesus often traveled in boats. In Matthew 17, Jesus has Peter go fishing, and in the mouth of the fish is the money to pay their temple tax. Peter needed to know how to fish to do that. They left their father's boat and their nets, and they started using the skills they already had and new tools that Jesus would provide in order to switch what they were fishing for. It was no longer about getting fish from the Sea of Galilee to eat and sell, but getting people to the kingdom of God. When asked, I think Matthew would have to say, I used to be a tax collector, but now I'm a disciple of Jesus. Simon, Andrew, James, and John could say, we are fishermen who are disciples of Jesus. Author Steve Brown wrote about the 11th century King Henry III of Bavaria, who grew tired of court life and the pressures of being a monarch. He made application to Prior Richard at a local monastery, asking to be accepted as a contemplative and spend the rest of his life in their monastery. Your Majesty, said Prior Richard, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? That will be hard because you have been a king. I understand, said King Henry. The rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. Not every follower of Jesus should become a pastor. But everyone that follows Jesus should do their work as Christ would. My career becomes about people, not about profit. I build relationships, not just things. I take opportunities to tell people about Jesus, not just myself. I know what some of my congregation does or used to do for jobs. Judy worked as a prison guard. As a disciple, she was called to guard as Jesus would guard. Steve works in finance. As a disciple, he handles money as Jesus would handle money. Disciples who are nurses should nurse as Jesus would. Here's a more difficult one. Paul works in a gun shop. Can he buy and sell guns as Jesus would? Some people might have the conviction of no, but he has the conviction of yes. How? He brings Jesus into a space that people don't expect to find Jesus. I heard a story of a lawyer who became a Christian. He was specifically a divorce attorney. He had to ask himself if he needed to leave his job in order to be a disciple of Jesus. He decided no, but he had to change how he did business. After he became a Christian, when an individual or couple came in wanting a divorce, he started giving these potential clients two options. He would say, if you want to try and save your marriage, I will do everything I can to assist you, and it won't cost you anything. If you insist on getting a divorce, I will do that for you, but you have to pay me all my costs up front. Most people didn't have the money up front, so they tried to save their marriage. Jesus wants followers that can soldier and do finance and invent and use medicine and teach and drive and lift and do construction and parent and use technology and, and, and. I didn't need to be a pastor in order to be a disciple. I led people to Jesus working at an amusement park, driving a school bus, being a manager, 
and being a technical writer. I'm finding that I'm better at being a father disciple than a pastor disciple because people are less defensive when they primarily know me as my daughter's dad than when I'm in a position of being pastor disciple of Jesus. When you or I get tired of our roles and responsibilities, remember that God has given each of us a career as disciples. That career may be something new or a new way of doing something that I already do. And that is a practical benefit of following Jesus, true purpose and fulfillment in whatever I do. We are lastly going to look at some people who didn't follow Jesus. Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, Keep the commandments. Which ones, he asked him. Jesus answered, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept all these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go, sell your belongings and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard about that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Next, Matthew 8, 19-22. A scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Lord, another one of his disciples said, First let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. And lastly, Matthew 10:38, Jesus says, And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. With all these, we see following is a commitment. We're going into these three passages. We're not going to go into these three passages deeply. There are four times here where Jesus put added requirements on people to be a disciple. And so before I quickly look at these, I want to say that in order to receive forgiveness and new life from God, all the Bible says we have to do is believe. However, there seems to be a difference between being a believer in Jesus and that next step of being a disciple of Jesus. To the wealthy young man, Jesus tells, to, tells him to give all his wealth to the poor. To the scribe, Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll be homeless. To another potential disciple, Jesus tells him to stop waiting for his father's approval, inheritance, or removal. Leave his family and just follow. And to everyone considering being a disciple, Jesus said, give up your life to follow me. What all these have in common is a deep level of commitment. A disciple doesn't say, I'll follow Jesus as long as it doesn't affect my lifestyle. A disciple doesn't say, I'll follow Jesus as long as it doesn't offend my family. A disciple doesn't say, I'll follow Jesus as long as it's not too hard or too dangerous. A disciple just follows Jesus. I was in a confession with a couple of guys, and one of them asked me if I had ever made any vows. Other than my wedding vow, the only thing I could think of was that I had purposed not to be sent to prison. Not going to prison is not a bad goal in life. In fact, that's a bare minimum in my opinion. But the questioner asked me, what if God wants, wants you to go to prison? 
And my mind immediately thought of Martin Luther King Jr.'s letters from Birmingham jail and Paul and Silas in jail in Acts 16. I had been thinking in terms of keeping myself in obedience to the law, and it had never crossed my mind that God might want to use me as a righteous person in jail. So while I'm still not going out seeking to be incarcerated, I can now say that I won't let fear of incarceration keep me from following Jesus. Here is the second benefit to following Jesus. The first, as we said, is purpose, and the second is courage. Jesus has the words of eternal life, but following Jesus isn't simply following him into eternity. I follow Jesus in my life on this earth right now with purpose and courage. It's one of the reasons I don't fear COVID-19. I certainly took precautions to keep myself, my family, and my congregation safe. I innovated. I changed some of my behaviors. But I didn't stop following Jesus because Jesus doesn't just call his disciples to follow. Jesus promises to be with his disciples all the way till the end of time. I'm not just following Jesus in some virtual way. I'm following Jesus so I can be with him and he can be with me. I also don't have a lot of followers on my social media, but I hope those that do follow me know that I follow Jesus. Let's pray from Psalm 84. Where the Lord lives is lovely, and we long to be with you there. Your house is where people are happy and strong. We will follow you to where you are because you are life. Yet we know you walk with us because you protect us as we follow you. Lord, may we hear your call and follow you with purpose and courage. Amen. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. And I leave you with this blessing. May the weakest among us be like King David. May the God who gives encouragement and endurance give us the spirit of unity as we follow Christ, so that with one heart and one mouth we may together glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.